You're listening to Lost and Sound, a podcast exploring music, identity, and the future. Paul Hanford. I've always believed that one of the best ways we come together is through music. And through this series, I'm looking at how music can and is bringing us together now and in the future. From my base in Berlin, we'll be meeting artists from a range of disciplines from all across the world who are drawing on music right now. Some already exploring new ways of doing this. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're good. I hope you're having a really lovely day. You're joining me from a slightly drizzly, much greyer than it has been, Schillerkeets in Neukölln in Berlin on Thursday the 24th of June. It's a full moon, a strawberry moon apparently. I don't know whether you believe in that stuff or not. I kind of like it. I kind of like it, maybe even in, even if it's just in an inspirational meme kind of way, but kind of be it's kind of fun, isn't it? Sometimes to read a bit of astrology and go, "Fuck, I'm a bit like that." Yeah, whatever that means. Anyway, today on the show, you're going to hear an interview that happened a couple of weeks ago with Stian Balducci and Kjetil Jöver, two Norwegian. Sonic experimentalists, I guess you would say. Kjetil is a pianist and composer. Stian is more on the production side. And they've made they've come together and they've made this collaborative album, Tokyo Tapes. And it is in a way kind of reminds me a little bit of those Harold Budd and Brian Eno albums from back in the day. Not in terms of how it actually sounds, but in terms of some of the kinds of methods and the kind of sort of broad sonic terrain of exploring drone and ambience and improv and jazz and piano and, and, and sonic frequencies. The way that kind of combines, really, really interesting. And i got to admit, I just fucking love the record. I just really love the record. So when there came an opportunity to chat with them, I just jumped at it. I'm going to leave it like that and I'm going to just let you check out what happened when we had a chat. Uh, I'm uh, Stian Valdorci. I'm the uh, electronic dude. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like samplers and, uh, and computers really started with computers. That's the, the sort of the main instrument and then like it's connected up with all the other stuff. Mm. And yeah, and I sort of I produced the uh, produced the record, made made uh, everything from uh, Shetil's uh, original part, 
Okay, Jetil, and I'm sorry about my English pronunciation as well. I'm, I, you know what us English people are like. We're we're pretty shit with getting the nuance, so I do apologize in advance about anything I I don't manage to get right. It's pretty good, actually, your pronunciation. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I say Chetil. Chetil. Uh, yeah, Chetil. It's uh, we have several ways of saying it within Norway as well, so it's totally fine. I'm the piano player. Uh, who sent my Tokyo tapes, the recordings I made, and uh, uh, sent them over to Stian and asked if he wanted to do something with it. Mm. And um, yeah, that's the that was the beginning of this uh, this album's project. And, and, and is Tokyo tapes is that like a is it named because they were recorded in Tokyo? Exactly. Right, and what what is the story behind that? Were you, were you living there for a while, or or what, was this stuff that you were kind of collecting on the go? Well, I've been uh, touring in Japan uh, since 2014 uh, with different groups. Actually, uh, I'm mostly uh, based in jazz and improvised music, and I've been traveling to Japan then four times with with different groups. And uh, when I was there the last time it was in 2018 i was basically on my own so i was playing a lot with local people but also some solo performances and uh, then i decided i wanted to to spend one of my uh, days off uh, on basically so i went to the studio and um, i i just wanted to record something that was uh, slow meditative I had in mind that I, this could have been used in, in an electronic setting to add something acoustic, uh, piano-based to electronic music. So when the album was fin- finished, uh, I was really interested in seeing how that could be done. Mm-hmm. So uh, I already knew Stian and uh, uh, I knew how he would uh, both uh, you know take the beautiful parts but also rip apart and make something uh well to combine the harsh with the with the soft i guess and uh so i was i was really curious to see what he would come up with and uh i was just astonished with the results already from the first demo he sent me so he has been doing most of the kind of recomposing the material uh and i've i've been uh the lucky guy to sit back and and comment uh uh, mostly it has been positive from my part actually that's amazing and, and, and the, the stage of the music that was handed over did it feel very much like were, the, were they like sketches that you you kind of wanted to pass over or was it almost like you had like finished work that you wanted to sort of bring in uh the instrumentation electronic instrumentation for uh, do you mean the the original recording? That yeah, I yeah. Were they, were they like sort of sketches and notes, or was it something a little bit more constructed than that that you gave over? Well, basically, these were two improvisations. Uh, that uh, the this, this the LP, my solo LP from Tokyo, uh, is is uh, basically two sides with two long tracks, and I just sent him the master tapes and said that uh, is it possible to make make new electronic music with just this this piano sound as uh, the basis and, and Stian, uh, when, when you got hold of the music 
What was your first kind of impulses? Did you kind of immediately have a sense of what you would do with it? Because there's such a rich sound world going on there. You know, I, I was really interested to know what those first kind of thoughts when you were listening were. Yeah. I uh, I almost went about quite technically from the start. So I, I play a bit live uh, uh, and improvise a lot. And then I always uh, live sample. Mm. So uh, my instrument is really more than programming. It's more taking stuff and, and but it's, it's like, uh, I would describe the sample based synthesis in a way. Mm. Because it becomes something completely different, right? Mm. So, so then it's almost analytical mode from the start. Like, where are their clean notes, which I can use, for example, right? Mm. And uh, in the recordings, there were some uh, like prepared piano-like sounds. And so, okay, that's my percussion, obviously, mm. right? So, pitch it down, whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I would say I didn't listen as a as a listener the first time. I probably went more about it, uh, what can I use where, in a way. And then, after that, it's sort of just, I sort of play, you know, when you when you play, when you were a kid, you played football with the, the wall? Yeah, I, yeah, I just kept with the garage the door. back off the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so that's sort of the process with the computer also and the gear. So I, I put it in and start playing around and it's it's... it's it's never like um, like some people say, yeah, I have this idea for a melody or clear in the mind, and then it's just finding the sound. Mm. Whereas for me, it's it, it comes out in in conversation with the with the equipment in a way, right? Right. Yeah. So it's it's almost like um, I guess the way I'd interpret it if I was doing that myself under the way you say is like you're going uh you you're going shopping for material you have some material and then you're you're kind of going around a market extracting what is useful to cook yeah exactly that's a great uh, great uh, picture and did you i mean cuz it sort of feels like for two people to kind of work separately there's such a degree of of i guess trust or or some kind of there's something that goes on that allows two people to kind of collaborate when, when you know, and, and put their heart and soul and the way their way of working together when they're working remotely and they're each playing with each other's ideas. What what actually made you two feel like you were the right people to kind of work together for this? Yeah, who's going first? Yeah, Shetty, um, go ahead. Well, for me, it 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 basically has to do with uh, my gut feeling. Mm my instinct and intuition that uh, uh, I use as a integral part of how I lead my life, uh, at least consciously, that I, I want to uh, follow ideas that are both kind of just pop up, but also slow brooding ideas that go over time. And I guess this project or our band is, is a combination of all those and all the my musical meetings with Stian prior to this point were always um, uh, colored by his uh, very imaginative use of his instrument and his sounds and uh, 
also the ability to make music on the spot as an improviser, uh, which I'm used to doing, but I always um, wanted to do more computer-based music myself, but uh, I, I have to learn a lot more. And I find the best way to do that is to basically look over the shoulders of, of my peers. And uh, so it became just a natural uh uh, conclusion for me to ask ask him to do this and it turned out that he was uh i guess you Stian, were looking for something to do for your uh master's thesis as well at this time yeah. <laughs> which this turned into actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah, uh, i was just yeah the the, uh, the master thesis part i initially thought uh, i'd uh, finish up school being academic and keeping the music separate but uh life sort of happens and then time runs out so uh, it was uh, a way to sort of okay i'm gonna do this because the record was gonna be done anyways so mm. I, I did what we call two flu in and smack in norwegian it's uh, two mm. flies in one uh in one fly catcher oh nice one we have in england it's like two, two birds with one stone that's it that's the one yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a bit more morbid in some way that is definitely. I, I prefer. I prefer the Norwegian version of that. Yeah, we prefer to kill flies rather than than uh, than birds. birds. Huh? Well, well, but flies. I mean, I don't know. And uh, someone might have a different opinion, but they they annoy everyone. Whereas you'd have to be kind of a little bit of an arsehole to get annoyed by birds. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you get good marks for the masters? Yes. That's good. So again, yeah, very literally <laughs> spotted the flies. Well, with <laughs> um, and and where did, where did you all, where did you guys first meet? It was actually at uh, at the outdoor uh, island rave party in uh, in the Oslo fjord, uh, where um, I was uh, I was actually in the group organizing the event, and um, it was my first time at the outdoor party like that, and. Uh, uh, as I was amazed by uh, everything that uh, was happening, uh, I also experienced uh, Stian playing with improvising live uh, techno-based music with a group of, uh, I think, four other musicians. And uh, in on, in this tent, they were, I was just, oh, they're actually making this right now. It's not just, uh, or just DJing. Mm-hmm. Uh or, or playing their tracks, uh, they are they are responding to each other, and I was uh, I, I think I was working in the bar actually at that point, but I could still enjoy the music, and uh, I remember Stian coming up to me afterwards, and yeah, we said hello, and uh, that was the first uh, yeah first handshake. <laughs> yeah, and also it must be said that uh, Chetil is uh, an amazing pianist, uh, which. I sort of knew from uh, like musically from before and and uh, yeah so so when he asked me also it was an obvious yes of course mm. I want to to play with your stuff I was uh, I was also invited to join this group to play keyboards uh, in this live techno group and we did play quite a few events uh, in uh, well we were stationed in different cities uh, Oslo and Kristiansand where he was studying and and uh, playing with this group. Uh, so I was coming down to Kristiansand and learning a lot about, uh, well, the, a lot of basics and also more uh, advanced subjects in, in how to perform this kind of improvised music of our age. Mm. I love the description of improvised music of our age because 
electronic music uh, uh, um, in its various forms isn't usually still perceived as being uh, something that is that improvised, although people do do improvise, and it's, it's more of like an outsider perception maybe to not view not view the improvised thing. But when you actually see live improvised techno music um, of various kinds, uh, there's a sort of there's a lot of mystery that that kind of surrounds it. Like what are the people doing up there? You know, and how do you actually do that? How do you actually transport something that is so often felt to be layered over time? you know, in, into a live setting. So I, I don't know what the question is there really is. I guess it's like for, for you guys, what, what's the kind of process or what was the kind of feeling between of moving electronic music into a live way of improvised way for you? You know, what, what is the, what's the kind of big feeling for it? Well, the, the, like if I'm going to be completely honest, it, mm. it, I, I think uh, uh, growing up, like my father is sort of, um, uh, in a way, he, like he played guitar in a band in Italy and uh, met my mother, and then I came, and then he they moved to Norway, and so he stopped playing, and he's always been like uh, quite ah uh, what the good like Italians are very they categorize a lot like this mm. is uh, this is good stuff and this is bad in a way, so I was always told what's good and what's not, and and he but he he sort of befriended lots of jazz musicians in in Norway, but never dared to play with them, mm. and uh, so from an, like an early point, it was like when I started doing uh, computer music seriously, it was quite clear that okay, I need to just to make my father happy in a way. Like deep mm. down, I'm a little child, um, so so yeah, I need to I need to sort of play it live and and with that and also through a really good teacher called Peter Baden who's also a drummer and a, and a computer musician um, so it became clear that it, it needs to sort of contain uh, some I'd call it uh, uh, without being um, like virtuosity also in a, in a, in a live sense um, and then with Gro for example uh, like Shetil uh, has played with us lots of times um, That's the name of the techno ensemble. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh both in Blow and uh, in in Christiansand and stuff. And then Chetil's on the keyboard, and then uh, we have a drummer, and or several drummers, and we always like uh, change out the uh, who's playing each night, and guitarists, and even bassists and trumpetists, and we have the saxophone, and so it becomes very like visual, mm. also. In, in a way which is way different than if you have five people playing all their modular boxes. Mm. So I guess um, that also opens up the, the, the live um, aspect of it. It's more uh, tangible for people outside electronic music in a way, right? They can kind uh, of see, they can kind yeah. of get a feeling from what's going on on stage in, in movement yeah. i guess yeah yeah for the, from the traditional musicians as we mm. as I, I like to call them at least you, you can see that when i'm blowing in the trumpet there's a sound coming and it might be not a trumpet like sound and then mm. it gets sampled either by me or someone else it comes back as a loop or and it's all super uh, uh crazy and messy but uh, yeah to me it's 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 like i have this vision of uh, a future jazz band, two thousand one hundred fifty. <laughs> of course, they're not gonna play jazz from the thirties. They're gonna mm. like 
techno and, and dance music club culture, that's what jazz was a hundred years ago, or like people used it to dance, right? Mm. Yeah, it's- and that's also where I feel I can really explore a kind of archaic and postmodern parts of, of performance, uh, aspects of performance that I think are, are in all valid music expressions like when when you're in uh in the right spot you're kind of uh, in a timeless spot which also lends itself to the the fact that we play long form so we we rarely play less than two hours Mm. and then of course i can i don't have to play constantly that whole time especially when we are five people but the the long form uh, kind of breaks the the uh, schematic uh, the live sets of a festival where it's at least in in the jazz world and and most other the a set is one hour and then you're kind of switching over and uh, also a, a normal concert for me would be around one hour so to actually physically play with that longer time aspect that is really uh or at least uh, one and a half year ago, was very uh, present in the club culture. And it's uh, uh, also, most, maybe most importantly, is the, the communication between the mu- musicians and the audience, where we have a mutual understanding of patience mm-hmm. or uh, kind of... Uh, waiting for each other to to meld together in the experience and and be able to to actually do something for a really long time which is a very abstract uh description a very long time could be uh for example 20 minutes with a kind of very very slow build up also with with everyone being uh experienced uh, at least the musicians being used to improvising also with with sh- kind of shorter breaks and going switching over we also use some signs mm. uh, at some point we we chose to have this sign as as um, i'm taking off my backpack <laughs> this means <laughs> that we are now now we're going to we're going to change we're going to move we, we're we're taking off all the baggage that we we uh, accumulated uh, for the last whatever 5 10 15 minutes and then we kind of uh, somebody has an idea we use eye contact but then we also we we most songs I would guess are like five minutes you know in in the, the normal world, mm. so we we are all having this also the feeling that it's nice to have something not being lasting forever uh, seemingly uh, so this this whole aspect is very very nice for me to play and perform in, especially together with other people that uh, also are not necessarily uh having the same um experience that i have uh with with mostly acoustic uh jazz music it sort of feels like um as well like there's a little bit of reminds me there of a dj set as well in terms that you're kind of going in and a lot is dependent on the audience and a lot is dependent on like say the selection of you know records for a dj with you it's the selection of how you operate together perhaps quite a lot of time djs say there's a point in their set like you say you play for like maybe two hours where it takes a little while to warm up and then there's a point where you feel things are kind of running off their own 
off their own particular energy that you've created. Is, is there a point for you that you sort of feel, okay, we've, we've, we're just beginning at the moment. We're not going to expect things to kind of kick off immediately. Do you, do you warm it up? I think so. Absolutely. What do you think, Stian? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it takes time, of course. And then we, but like the, the nights, both in Christian Sun and Blood, normally were like four hours and continuous. And it's quite bumpy sometimes, mm. and because we're it's all happening. But yeah, the like the goal is to sound like a DJ, right? Mm. In a way, but it, it, but it, obviously it becomes way more uh, crowd-like mm. due to the instrumentation. Yeah, and then and then we have like twenty minutes, which are great. Everyone's in contact on uh, on stage and with the audience, and and. And it sort of falls apart a bit, and <laughs> and then it builds up again. So, so yeah, it's more bumpy than a, than a, like really decent DJ with mm. lots of experience, I'd say. You mentioned Kraut. Then is is Kraut a, an influence with you both? I actually just discovered it as a concept, mm. and I really felt, oh, this I know this. <laughs> so it's funny that you ask. Uh, yeah, it's really fascinating, and I'm definitely going to going deeper into that uh, terminology or or the kind of tradition. That's amazing! That's amazing that you've just discovered it. And I remember it was something that I discovered not too early on. Can, do you mind if I ask what um, artist or what was your kind of entry point? Well, I just uh, saw some people on the forum talking about can. Mm. And then I, I just wanted to, oh, what, what is this stuff people are talking about? And, uh, and I, I, it connects a lot with what I know about the early 70s in, in, more, in other experimental genres and, uh, and how deeply connected everything truly is and was. But I, I don't have any like, big artists that I'm, I'm going into currently. It's, it's more like a, it, it's on my wall. I'm, I, yeah. it's, I'm going to check this out. I, I, I think Cam were my entry point as well. And I think one of the things that I love about that, and it's interesting that you kind of connected with them as well, is is that they, they would kind of just improvise for hours and hours and then cut things down. And, and they kind of viewed it that they didn't want to have, like, even though there's vocals, that everything's mixed to the same level. You know, they, they didn't view any kind of hierarchy in the music at all. It was all just... It was like an improvisationary sound, which I I really really enjoyed. <laughs> mm. What was um, uh, going back into that? What were your kind of like early musical impulses? What were the? Was there anything like you have like going back to the thing before? Like maybe what was like the cool thing that everyone says? That were, do you have any sort of really kind of primal early memories of, of relating to music or sound? I was quite early on uh, in introduced to heavy rock and metal by my brothers but they also were very because they are six and nine years older than me so but they also were very omnivore when they came when it came to music and they played in the marching band which i was kind of just listening to and taking for granted of course people play wind instruments and march to beat and uh, and uh and it was uh and they played instruments as well. So I remember some few key points where uh, when I was shown, I was actually in my, I was 12 years old and I was shown my first kind of jazz fusion. And that mm. just 
blew me away. It was a weather report. And uh, then from then, I, I thought it was, I thought that was called smooth jazz. So I had a period where I was, <laughs> I was trying to find this music again as, as smooth jazz, which was kind of disappointing, but it was kind of in the middle age of the internet. So I couldn't still download stuff and I was trying to get hold of CDs and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, and I didn't even know that there's, uh, there are huge scenes for this in Norway, at least mm. compared to our population, that uh, there was something called Norwegian jazz was also mm. mind blowing to me in high school. And, but my, uh, one, my piano influence is admittedly Elton John, actually. <laughs> that's, that's my basis for improvising on the piano, mm. uh, as a matter of fact, because I noticed when I started to check out his live recordings and going into bootleg material, I was, uh, wow, he's always doing something different. I can't really learn how this song is. There is no certain mm. way. So I, I, I learned how to kind of perform it in, well, he could have done it this way, or this is how I do it. And also there's a way to go kind of go beyond the notes because I got the sheet music, but it doesn't really sound like that. And mm. I am not really good at reading anyway. So I just started to take things from my ear and, and uh, while listening to the records. And when, when jazz was then came upon me, it was a very good way to to delve into that and i still listen to elton john I, I i'm not really a fan of his late like after the uh 90s but but you know i uh i i love a good song too yeah i i um i think I, my cutoff point with elton john is that kind of can you feel the love kind of era the the you know but um but definitely that definitely the kind of the 70s the 70s stuff it, it took me a while to kind of uh, own it myself because it was I sort of viewed it as parents music when I was growing up it was a bit uncool I mean not that I'm cool at all but just in terms of like being a teenager and you want to be around things that you kind of you feel give you an a attitude or energy and I didn't really get that till I got a bit older <laughs> again without him John now I've kind of connected with it a bit more again <laughs> uh Stian, what about I was you? caught on early I just came from. I have a workshop at the. I'm on an island in northern Norway, and we're doing some like abstract uh, music and spoken word uh, with the digital tools. And on Monday we ha we had uh, like fourth uh, graders, and they loved it. And today we had the the ones who are like in puberty, and it didn't work as well. Right. So as soon as you sort of tip that that age, then it's not it, it's not allowed to have fun around mm -hmm. like yeah, very like focused on how you appear to the others. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? There's definitely uh, and then things like I think I got into golf at that age as well. You know, something where you know you, you're, you're exactly doing that. Um, what, what about you, Stian? What were, what were your kind of, did you have any sort of really primal early memories about music or sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my first CD, which I bought, but uh, it didn't really hit me musically. It was more like uh, I thought Will Smith was cool. So I bought the, him and Jesse Jeff mm. for a, a record, I remember. But like musically was uh, uh, maybe uh, it's a bit uncool to say, but I, I loved Linkin Park. Yeah, and 
in there also there were lots of electronic uh, elements, right? But I didn't know that at the time. There was quite a sound field, really. Yeah, a lot of texture going on in. in yeah, in and beats, and it's like mm. it's very programmed. Listening to it to it now, I mean, it's it's way too uh, quantized. But um, yeah, I, I, that spoke to me, and um, and then I remember getting uh, Daft Punk's uh, what was it, the, the Discovery record mm. around mm. early two thousands, two thousand one uh, maybe. Yeah, the one with like yeah. one more one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, mm. and that sort of blew my mind, mm. and took up. It sort of felt like it was uh, good music, but wasn't given to me my by. For example, yeah, you need to listen to this guitar stuff, son. Mm. Like it was, I found it myself, and I liked it. And I like, okay, this is this. Uh, that was uh, that was very interesting. Also, the that's a bit later, but but uh, I remember Tom York's uh, solo, uh, the Eraser. I love that album. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know that it was electronic because mm. it was like piano sounds, right? And yeah. singing. So so that's so, sort of that came after uh, way later listening to I was like, oh shit. Uh and also I remember a, a kid in school this was uh, but it's, it's I was 16 maybe but he or 17. He he came over and just gave me the the AirPod. Like mm. listen to this, and he was the stoner guy in class, uh, and it was Burial, uh, Archangel. And I was like, mm. what the fuck? That kid was a messenger. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for speaking today, and I just wanted to kind of round off by um, asking you. Um, well, you know, we we can't really predict what's happening from one day to the next at the moment. But is there is there anything that you're kind of really excited about the possibility of, of being able to do soon, or maybe you're actually already starting to do? Well, we have started making our second album, mm. uh, which is going to is already. Well, we played we played together in the studio as a duo for the first time just a few weeks ago. So. Now we have some material to work on and uh, it's going to be more of a duplex uh, this time mm. where we yeah, get the chance to not just I deliver the piano and then he does his thing, but uh, we actually go more back and forth, mm. uh, which is really exciting. And also, uh, hopefully we will be able to do a show uh, in Norway soon. I think that the, 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 it must be an interesting thing also, particularly for a follow-up album, is to sort of check, like you said, it's like changing the formula a little bit as well, like changing, you know, do you feel like each album should be a different sort of idea behind it? I guess it naturally does in mm-hmm. its own way. And sometimes we probably want to do something similar, but it will always be different, especially as we're improvising all the way. Yeah, and I guess also like, uh, especially with the stuff we're doing, which is uh, perhaps it's not the most accessible. It's it, uh, we need to keep going forward, right? That's mm. that's sort of part of the game. And it's, it's like speed, like the bus on speed, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, it could be a bit slower, not like uh, I don't remember the, the miles per hour. Stian Balducci, Gietel Yerva, talking with me on Lost and Sound. I think about two weeks ago we had that conversation. 
It's June the 24th right now. Go and check out Tokyo Tapes. Definitely, definitely, definitely one of my favorite albums of the year so far. I'm not really a sort of list person. I don't really do the whole kind of my favorite albums, but sometimes I just feel that something feels that it is, is I know that that is one of my favorite things I like putting on at the moment. They're well worth checking out. Something that I'll be playing, a little bit of a plug here. I've got a radio show that's starting up next week on Refuge Worldwide. I will put a little link and stuff in the description. Um, first time I've done stuff like, you know, in radio, in podcast, in in music playing format for quite a while where I'm just going to be basically playing tunes. You know, I haven't done that. I haven't DJed since the whole pandemic started. All of this kind of stuff. So I'm really, really looking forward to that little plug there. I hope you're good. I hope you're really well. It's getting on for lunchtime here. So I'm going to go and buy two gross, zwei gross Schlange and have some falafel in them. listening lost and sound is written and produced by me paul hanford title music by eso and a big thanks to kieran yates in the uk for mastering the levels and this episode is being hosted by bear radio and you can check out other english language podcasts from berlin by going on bearradio.org And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave a comment. It really does help. And also, if you wish, you can help the production costs of making Lost and Sound by buying me a digital coffee at coffee.com. There is a link in the socials. Take care and speak to you soon.